This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 4, Episode 19. 19. 19. <laughs> Thank you. Discovery Writing. 19. <laughs> 19 minutes, no wait, 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're 19. Okay, let's get off of this. We're discovery writing this podcast right now. Um, we've that was a completely podcasts. unrehearsed intro, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, we've done several podcasts on uh, how to outline, and we were looking through the comments and emails we've gotten for, from people asking for certain podcasts. Um, and yes, we do read those occasionally. Um, and a lot of revision ones came up and a lot of questions about revising and we were discussing we realized we haven't really talked about how to be a discovery writer we have talked a lot about outlining you may have to search through the archives to find them but we've recovered it several times so a brief explanation i have found just through my experience with writers that writers tend to fall into one of two camps either they tend they work really well from an outline um or they're terrible at working with an outline and they work better by just putting interesting characters in interesting situations and seeing what happens i, I i'm going to tweak that slightly okay. because the, the more i think about it and the more i talk to people i've come to believe that it's not two kinds of writers it's two kinds of writing two times of writing. and that people That's, exist yeah. on a scale somewhere between them right yeah. there there is quite the scale in fact the, the, the metaphor that i love about this the metaphor yeah. that i love for this and i'm not sure I, we, we may have used it before is that the outline writer uh, sits down with a map and plans the road trip. Mm-hmm. The discovery writing writer walks into the garage and picks a cool car. Right. And takes off in it. That's it. Exactly. And um, different writers use different tools for how to approach things on different books. For instance, I tend to outline write my settings and my plots, and I tend to discovery write my characters, which is why I will often have at the beginnings of books several far- false starts where <laughs> I um, try a different character in different roles and throw mm-hmm. them out. Um, in different books, I discovery write or not. Uh, my epic fantasies, I have to do a lot of outlining. My Alcatraz the books, start, I don't. The false start is not a bad thing. No, it's I not. was, And we see that. You see that in any writing, I believe. The, I wrote an essay for Steve Jackson Games last night, and he reviewed it. It was a short essay, but he reviewed it, you know, 40 minutes after I sent it to him and slaughtered the first two paragraphs. Said, well, you were kind of finding your legs here, weren't you? Okay, now we're rolling. This is the stuff that I love. And I realized, oh, yeah, that was exactly how I wrote it, too. I struggled for 20 minutes with the first two paragraphs, and then the rest just flowed. And I think, for me, discovery writing is like that. I sit down. I don't have an outline to work from. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm hot-wiring this car. It's not that I went into the car and picked one. It's that I went down the street and picked one, <laughs> picked and one. I don't I have the keys for it. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're back to the stealing podcast. Um, but once once I get it rolling, once I get it rolling, it really flows and it feels good and it goes to interesting places. Okay, so let's talk about how to use that because both of you guys are mm-hmm. very much discovery writers. In fact, Dan is one of the, the best discovery writers I know. Seems like he's learned how to use the process quite a bit. How do you use false starts? Let's talk about those. Do you do this? Um, I do do this. What I do is the first half of my book will be discovery written, and the second half will be heavily outlined. Okay. And that's because I know from experience that I need the help with the ending, but I don't know what I want the ending to be until I figure out who the characters are and what they want to do and what's interesting about it. Okay. And so I will go through. um, I like to start doing just characters talking to each other. 
you know, if, if I know I'm going to have false starts to begin with, mm -hmm. I'll just plan for it and say, okay, let's start and have this guy just talk. And that'll help me figure out who he is. And then I'll say, oh, great, great. Put that in a different file. Start over now that I know who he is. And we'll have him talk about the story. And so I will do that. Um, I like to have characters just talk to each other. I, I try to develop scenes very organically just to see where they will go because I trust that my characters are interesting enough to take a scene in a good direction. And okay. that's, that's show, don't tell at right. work for you right there. You're, and we all love that. We want to be shown who these characters are. We don't want to be told about them. Mm-hmm. How do you keep that, keep yourself from just rewriting the same thing over and over again? In other words, having a dozen false starts. Ooh, a stumper. Mm, a oh. Difficult question. Um, because they say different things every time. <laughs> I, I really, you know, this is the thing that non-writers find so funny when writers talk about it. But characters will just, they have a mind of their own. And if you just give them leeway, they will take off and just start running in some direction and you have to struggle to keep up with them. And that's, you know, if you have a really solid character, that's what it will do. See and that so, right there, I'm gonna interrupt, that's a classic Discovery Writer comment. If you read yeah. online in forums and people talk about things like that, they are Discovery Writers. My characters never do that. Really? I've only, I have <sighs> never, almost never had that happen, a little bit in the Alcatraz books. They don't, I know where the story is going. I know how the plot is being built. I know what needs to happen in the scene. I don't necessarily know how each character will react in each moment until I've written myself into them for the first five chapters or so. After that, I know exactly every, t every chapter. But Nothing... you don't have characters introducing plot twists in no. Act 2. and they don't, they don't surprise me. They don't introduce things. I'm an outliner. I think in an outline. I don't sit down to write a scene until I know what's going to happen in that scene. That's why I'm an outliner. So coming from that strong mm -hmm. of an outlining yeah. mindset, what was it like for you writing Alcatraz? How did you it, it get was, into that? It was like writing a stand-up, uh, an improv comedy routine. Um, if you've seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, mm -hmm. um, that's how I, I, analyzing After the Facts, how I did it. I gave myself a bunch of props and said, no, you can't have an outline. You've just got to make it up on the fly, and it's got to be funny. Um, that's how I get the funny into it, is by okay. making it up on the fly. I can't be funny in the same way as the Alcatraz books pre-planned. What's fascinating is that what you've just described is a very structured process for yes. laying down structure <laughs> and ground rules for doing something that most discovery writers do very, very organically. Mm -hmm. We don't pick our props. We do, well, I talk about picking the car. Right. Um, we kind of do. You wander in and say, that's a great car and go. Whereas yes. I actually sit down and say, okay, here are the 12 cars I've got and they've all got to appear somewhere in one of these chapters yeah. and they've got to be mixed with these weird settings and these weird powers. Well, giving advice to discovery writers, yeah. I think that's great advice is yeah. don't overstructure yourself because that's not how you work, but give yourself a little bit. You know, if you know you have to get to this point, then keep that in mind while you're discovery writing. Or if you know that something horrible is going to happen, you know, figure out the little things and then just write and watch them incorporate themselves into the story. You know, some of the best, <laughs> some of the best psychotherapy out there uh, looks at what we do with ourselves and, and, and identifies things as crutches. And when you are trying to discovery write and you have never been a discovery writer before, you may look at, you know, your outline and your structure and your world building and all of these process elements as crutches. If you try and take them all away, uh, the, the science of therapy says, well, you're just going to fail. Don't take them all away. Leave yourself one or two crutches. Pick them carefully. 
and and then move from there. And so, you know, Brandon's uh, creation of a structure within which he could discovery write is a fantastic way to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, me, um, I actually do the same thing. I just don't do it consciously because I'm working with the same cast of characters. I'm working with a, you know, robust, richly developed world already with Schlock Mercenary. And that is my crutch. If I had to discovery write something with brand new characters, brand new technology, brand new genre, you know, throw me into a fantasy environment, uh, I would scream in horror Ooh. and fall back to an outline. Can I mm -hmm. say it? Sure. Luxury. <laughs> Luxury. No, no, I get to say it this you time. You said it. You get to work in the same world all the time. You I do. get to work with the same oh. characters. Luxury. Okay. Okay. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Okay. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're going to move on. Let's, um, let's do our Let's plug a book. We really, um, book of the week, we really appreciate Audible supporting us as a podcast. And Dan has a great book he wants to talk about. Yes, indeed. Um, Way of the Wolf, the first book of the Vampire Earth series by E.E. E. Knight. E.E. Uh, e. Knight was recently described to me as the best fantasy writer no one's ever heard of, which is not entirely fair because he's actually very big, but he's not as big as he should be. I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves. I haven't heard of him. Well, so. there you go. Vampire Earth is a post-apocalypse vampire story where these kind of blood-sucking aliens have taken over the world, and our, and our hero is a little kind of mountain man guy who joins the human rebellion that lives in the Appalachian Mountains and fights back against these things. It's a fantastic blend of horror and fantasy and science fiction all in one post-apocalyptic bundle. I recommend it highly. All right. That's... And we don't know if it was discovery written. We don't know. We don't know if it was discovery written or not. We just like the book, or at least Dan does. Yes. Audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Um, download your free copy with the free trial for 15 days. All right. So I want to do my normal thing, and I want to say, okay, let's bring this back and talk about advice. Advice okay. to new writers who maybe are discovery writers and are struggling with their own writing process or want to try it. One big problem discovery writers have, and I want you guys to give us advice on this, discovery writers have terrible problems with endings. Mm -hmm. As a discovery writer, how can you ha help them with their endings? I am going to give you the best advice that I, I can here. When I started doing writing excuses, I realized that you know I had problems with endings. You guys taught me all kinds of things. When I decided to sit down with my writing friends, uh, Dan Willis and Bob Defendi, and I did, I did, Dan, kind of what you do, where I outlined the, the end of the book. But I sat down with them and I said, okay, here's, here's all the stuff that's been printed so far in the archives. Here's the buffer for the next month, so you're getting to read ahead. Um, here is kind of what I have outlined. You guys help me. 
identify the promises that I've already made to the readers that you as readers would be disappointed if they didn't get fulfilled in some way. And then come up with ideas for fulfilling them. Now understand, I picked guys who are, you know, professional writers mm -hmm. to, you know, to help me with this. But that exercise more than anything else has tightened up my endings because they come up with things that I had discovery written and I realized, oh gosh, I didn't realize that <laughs> that's Chekhov's gun right there on the wall, and I wasn't planning on shooting it. Uh, so that yeah. that trick. Okay. E even earlier, just at the brainstorming stage, um, brainstorming with other people, I've found to be incredibly valuable to help with my endings because uh, the the science fiction book that I've talked about occasionally, I came up with a cool idea and pretty much just talked about it to all of my friends. I brought it to my writing group. I, I talked about it here with uh, the podcasting guys and said, here's this great idea what does this make you think of? And they were all able, you know, everyone gave me different ideas. Oh, well, if this exists, then this would naturally follow from that. And that gave me just this enormous pile of awesome ideas to sift through and say, what would make a really climactic ending? And then kind of build backwards from there. Okay. I really liked what you said earlier in the podcast of stopping at the halfway point and then having an outline. Seems like that's a way to have your cake and eat it too, so to speak, as a discovery writer. You get to discovery write your story, discover mm -hmm. what's going on, you know, write yourself into the world and the characters and, and, what, and then stop. And when you start to bring it back and bring it together, then you have some structure and outline. That Absolutely. might be something What's usually happened when you're discovery writing the early parts of the book is that you, you have in your head, you realize, oh, I think I know how this is going to end. And you're now excited about writing the ending. And a lot of discovery writers uh, and a lot of you know, uh, <laughs> new writers get bound up in writing the boring bits where you know, they're now ready to write the exciting ending because they've, they've thought of it. Um, I would recommend to, you know, as part of this outlining process, write that exciting ending um, and then be prepared to apply. Was it Orson Scott Card's advice uh, where, you know, the first resolution that you think of is probably the obvious one and you're going to throw it out. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you need to have written it down so that okay. you can look at it and figure out what it is what that you're, you're really going to do. That's interesting. Well, and that brings up a good point, which is discovery writers. Sorry to tell you this, but you're going to have to go back and revise that. Mm -hmm. In a lot yep. of cases, think of your first discovery written draft as a really extensive outline. Because once you figure out what that ending is going to be in that second half, you need to go back in the first half and make sure that you're foreshadowing things, mm -hmm. that you're putting in all the elements that need to be there so that you're leading up properly. So revision is still very important even if you're a discovery writer. Well, discovery writers, I found, tend to do more drafts of a book mm -hmm. um, than, than outliners. And discovery writers tend to enjoy re revising a little bit more, I found, um, which can sometimes get them into trouble. Discovery writers, I know, are the ones who will stop at the three-quarter mark, or uh, the one-quarter mark, sorry, on a book, and then start it over again, and do that again and again and again and again because mm -hmm. they, they like this, this revision yeah. process. Well, and that's, that's that one-quarter mark, that's the one to really worry about because that's where the freedom starts to disappear mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you've written so much and you realize, oh, everything I write from here on out has to take into account all the stuff I've already right. written. I, I can't destroy the setting and the characters that I've already done. And so that kind of becomes more of a burden as you go. I, it, it becomes more of a burden, but at the same time, uh, I think good advice would be to allow yourself to break it. Okay, Allow yourself to keep discovery writing, clear up into the second half, and if something feels like it needs to be broken, break it. 
you're going to fix it in a rewrite anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the I can fix it in post philosophy helps discovery writers quite a bit. Very much. Um, because otherwise you're going to stop and want to rewrite the book every time. And the problem with discovery writers is then you will discover all sorts of new stuff and take your story a completely different direction. By the time you arrive where you were before, you have a completely different story. You might as well have written two books mm -hmm. um, at that point or started two different books. And, and that can get you into all sorts of troubles with not having you finish things. I will say, though, that discovery writers, something I, I kind of envy about discovery writers, and when I've done it, something I, I, I like about my fiction is the, the sense of spontaneity to the organic growth of a story. I guess this is a reason to discovery write is because it does feel more organic. And by organic, I mean more real in many ways. It feels miraculous is what it feels like. If, <laughs> I, no, I'm serious. If for me, when I sit down without without an outline, without a framework other than, I mean, I've got the characters, I've got maybe some ideas, and all of a sudden new things just start happening, mm -hmm. that to me feels just really miraculous and wonderful. What, uh, what, what was it Neil Gaiman said? That writing a book is like jumping out of an airplane with some yarn and knitting a parachute by the time you hit the ground? Or trying to at least, um, which I yeah. found to, to be quite a quite a great quote, particularly if you are a discovery writer. Um, mm -hmm. All right, um, Howard, discovery write us a uh, writing prompt. Discovery write us a writing prompt. Okay, uh, you know what we're we're gonna do? Uh, we're gonna do Brandon's improv technique. Okay. Okay. Um, where you are right now, uh, unless you're in your car, um, <laughs> look around and pick. Six unrelated items. Pick six car, unrelated cry. items. Uh, they're going to be related because you're on the road. Oh, fine. Okay. Six unrelated items and weave them together in the first chapter of, of your discovery written thing, knowing that at least two of them are Chekhov's guns that are, you know, that, that, you, that are going to prove to be important throughout your story. You know, you don't know this, I bet, Howard, but you just gave a classic writing prompt that's been used for decades in creative writing classes. Crap. Man. That's, no, that's awesome. Um, normally, it takes the form of dump out your purse if you're a woman or, you know, oh, open up a drawer. <laughs> dump take, out the person next to you's purse and um, And take a bunch a of unrelated items and, um, you know. But anyway, great writing prompt. Uh, you guys are totally out of excuses. Now go write. Oh, and put that stuff back in your purse. Yeah. And this wasn't 19 minutes long. I'm sorry. We lied. We can drag it out, though. <laughs> we're, um, only, we're only 90 seconds away. Jordo, stop us. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Jordo is turning us off. He's cutting us off. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a longstanding and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cut scene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? 
So join me in supporting Locus. 